are listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene, online at bethanynaz.org. So when I watch that time-lapse video of the sanctuary renewal, I just can't hardly believe that in just one week we're going to be back in the sanctuary uh, worshiping from there. I, I can't wait. Some of us will be in person while others will be online, but either way, we're going to be home for Christmas. Uh, back in the sanctuary together, and I'm very excited about it. You're going to absolutely love it next Sunday as we worship from there. You know, when I think about the phrase, home for Christmas, and that's what we're going to be talking about through Advent, it, it brings back a lot of memories for me. It speaks a lot into my heart. When I think about being home for Christmas, I think about a place that's comfortable. I think about a place that's familiar. I think about a place where I feel like I'm loved and where I belong. Uh, something about going into a house that you call home and uh, smelling the aroma of food cooking in the oven and on the stove and seeing presents under the tree and the counters lined with desserts and family members pouring through the doors to celebrate the birth of Jesus together. So when I think about us coming back together here at BFC, coming home, back to the sanctuary, um, I've just got to be honest with you and say, it's going to be different. I, I, th- I think there's several reasons why it's going to be different. I think one of the reasons is when we first talked about renewing the sanctuary, um, I envisioned our first day back to be one of the days of greatest attendance we've ever known here at the church. We would have the whole church family together and we would invite everybody we knew and the attendance would be greater than Sundays like Easter. But because of COVID, I realize that's not going to be the case. Many people are going to be watching online. The whole church family is still going to join, and we're still going to invite everybody we know, but we understand that many will be watching from their homes, and and that's okay. I I think another thing that I would say to you is that the, the room itself is different. I mean, uh, you're going to come looking for your seat, and your seat is not exactly where it was before. Things have been kind of rearranged, but you're going to find another seat, and you're going to be okay, and we're all going to be good. But the room is absolutely beautiful. I was just there a few moments ago, and I can't wait for you to get to experience it too. Can I just speak openly with you and tell you that the truth of the matter is not only has the room changed, but you've changed. And I've changed. We, we are going through a pandemic. And in a normal year, we change a lot. A lot of change takes place. But this year has been unprecedented. There are people who have lived in isolation. There are people who have suffered loss. We've lost so much because of this pandemic. And we have lived in a constant state for nine months now of uncertainty. Let me give you some good news. Although you've changed and I've changed and we've lived with some uncertainty, God has not changed. God is still love and God is still good and God is still light and God is still life and God still forgives and God still lives with his arms open, says, come on, there's room for you uh, with me and there's room for you in my family. God still offers hope and God still comes to us when we call on him. He has sent His Son, Jesus, to establish the kingdom of God on earth. And all of that is still taking place. And so here's what I want to say to you today. That in a season of Advent, a season where we think about 
people who are longing and waiting. In a season where we identify with people who are longing and waiting, I realize that I live in a world full of people today who are longing and waiting for some more good news. So I I don't know if you've ever experienced this or not, but you've maybe worked all day and you come home and you're tired and and it's been kind of a routine day, but it's it's been hard and you're glad to get home and you you come home not expecting maybe anything great because home can be routine too. But when you walk in the door, you're greeted by someone in your home with this huge smile and they say to you, I've got some incredible news to share with you that you're going to love And it's going to change your day. And sure enough, you can't wait to hear what they have to say. And when they finally give you the good news, they're right. It's exciting stuff. Do you realize that that's who we are? We are the people who carry good news. We're the people who stand in the world and say, hey, I've got some really good news to share with you. And it's going to change your life. And so as we move toward next Sunday, here's what I want you to do. I want you to join me right now in thinking about... Who is it that you know? I've got a list of people that I'm going to be calling and texting and inviting. I want you to think about who you might bring with you either online or in person next Sunday because they really need to come home to some good news. And you're going to be the one who invites them to hear that good news. So let me take you to the Gospel of Mark this morning, okay? Mark chapter 1, verse 1. Mark is all about good news. And he's all about sharing this good news that we've been given. And so let me take you to that verse right now. He starts his gospel by saying, the beginning of the good news. In other words, we're going to talk about Jesus. We're going to start right at the top. We're going to work our way through it. And so this is the beginning of the good news about Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God. I love this verse. Mark just opens his gospel by saying, I want to start from the top, and I want to talk to you about this good news that we have to share. When you get to verse 14, here's what he says. Jesus went into Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God. I love the phrase, the good news of God. And here's what Jesus says. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. And then he says, repent and believe good news. That's right. Nothing but good news. One of the things I love about chapter 1, verse 35, and the few verses following, is that we we catch a glimpse into Jesus' life. We catch a glimpse into his practices. We catch a glimpse into his personality and his mission and his vision for the future. So here's what John says as we move through chapter 1. Now we're in verse 35, very early in the morning, while it was still dark. Uh, very early this morning, while it was still dark, my alarm went off, and uh, I hit snooze, and I went back to sleep. <laughs> but then, very early this morning, while it was still dark, my alarm went off again, and that time I got out of bed. I said, hey, it's Sunday. You can't keep snoozing. you got to get going here. Jesus got up, and he left the house. Now, the previous verses tell us he was in Simon Peter and Andrew's house. In fact, a year and a half ago, when I was in Capernaum, when I visited the Holy Land, I stood and, and looked at the ruins, the foundation where that house once stood that was believed to be uh, the house that Jesus was in that morning. It was pretty cool uh, to be there. So Jesus left that house and he went off to a solitary place. Jesus, why do you keep slipping off? Where he prayed. 
I just need to go talk to the Father. That was, that was so common for Jesus. That was his practice. And so Simon and his companions, they woke up. We don't know where Jesus is. So they went to look for him. And when they found him, they said, uh, everybody's looking for you. I, I can just imagine we went down by the shore. We didn't find you there. We went, we didn't, you know, we were all looking. We didn't know what happened. So here's how Jesus replies. Now, I, I don't have a solemn Jesus. Uh, my Jesus smiles 95% of the time. I feel like almost everything that Jesus says, he says with a smile on his face. And I got a feeling that Jesus did not say, let us go to some nearby villages, you know. I got a feeling Jesus smiled at Simon Peter and he put his arm around him and he said, let's go somewhere else to the nearby villages so I can preach there also. Come on, Simon, you know that's why I came. And so he traveled throughout Galilee preaching, what? The good news in their synagogues and demonstrating the good news of the kingdom, driving out demons. So I don't know, how much news do you watch in a week? Do you watch a lot of news? Um, I, I watch some news, I read some news online, uh, but the news that I'm getting these days is not good news. Uh, I'm reading mostly bad news. So when I read news about the pandemic, here's, here's what I'm reading. The numbers of those who are contracting the disease daily is skyrocketing. And I'm paying attention to what's happening in the United States and around the world, but specifically off into Oklahoma. Numbers are just going up like crazy. Um, here's the other news that I'm reading. I'm reading that people are suffering because of isolation with uh, depression and loneliness. Um, I've been seeing some stuff recently about suicide rates and divorce rates. Marriages aren't weathering the pandemic very well. And, and that news just kind of continues. It's, it's not good news. It's, it's news about businesses that are closing. And um, I'm concerned and I pray for people who are out of work um, because of the pandemic not being able to work. And, and on top of that, we've got all this other stuff about division in the country and political bad news. There's just a lot of bad news. I'm not going to linger there because I'm about good news today. But I just want to say to you that I live in a world where people are longing and waiting for some good news. And the reason they're longing and waiting for good news is because they are hearing so much bad news. And so just like 2,000 years ago, when the people of Israel were longing and waiting for the coming of the Messiah, O come, O come, Emmanuel. They had a lot of bad news. And they were waiting for good news. And 2,000 years later, I'm living in a world that is longing and waiting for good news. Now, I love this about Jesus. Jesus says, okay, I want you to take me to the nearby villages because I want to preach there also. This is my mission, Simon Peter. This is why I'm here. I've come to establish the kingdom of God. And so here's what Jesus does. He makes his way through Galilee, Mark tells us in that same chapter, and he proclaims the good news of the kingdom of God. All right? So he's preaching. He's telling them the kingdom of God has come near. And then as he continues to make his way through Galilee, he also stops in their synagogues. He even went to the synagogue in Capernaum, and he begins to teach them. This is what the kingdom of God looks like. 
He lives it out in his life. He embodies the kingdom of God and he teaches them in the synagogue. This is what it means to be part of the kingdom of God. And from there, then he begins to demonstrate the kingdom of God by healing people. So here's what I want to do. I want to talk to you about two places that are very dear to our hearts, okay? The first is a small country in the southern part of Africa called Eswatini, formerly known as Swaziland. Do you realize that 100 years ago, over 100 years ago, a man named Harmon Smelzenbach traveled to Africa from Texas in the United States because he believed God was saying, take the gospel to the people in Africa. He landed in this small country of Swaziland. And you know what he did and those who followed him did? They built churches. A couple of years ago, I stood in that first little rock church that Harmon Smells and Bob built. A hundred years later, it's still standing. I stood in that little church where he first preached. He built churches and then they built schools all throughout the country so they could teach. And then they built hospitals and clinics. To see the healing power of Jesus occur in people's lives. And so just like Jesus went throughout Galilee preaching, teaching, and healing, Harmon Smelzenbach and those who followed him built churches and schools and hospitals so they could preach, teach, and heal. Now let me tell you about the other place. Bethany, Oklahoma, over a hundred years ago, when Harmon Smelzenbach was headed to Africa, J.O. McClurkin came to Bethany, Oklahoma. You know what he built? A church so he could preach. And then he built a school, which is now Southern Nazarene University, so they could teach about the kingdom of God. This is what it's like to live last. And then they built a home for unwed mothers, which evolved over time into a hospital. And across the street from us sets the Children's Center, an amazing hospital. And we preach and we teach and we demonstrate the kingdom of God in healing. I long for the kingdom of God to be fully established on earth. I would love to go to the children's hospital across the street today. And I would love to go from room to room and stretch out my hand and say, be healed. And I would love for children to stand up and walk out those doors. This is what the kingdom of God fully looks like. Rick, has the kingdom of God really come near like Jesus said? It has come near, but in our rebellion, we have contested it. And I feel like most days God says to me, Rick, you can experience all of my kingdom on earth that you want to experience. How badly do you want to see people's lives changed? So I'm waiting and I'm waiting for the kingdom of God to fully come. I don't talk about it much, but. I got this bad hip. (laughs) Actually, I talk about it all the time. The other day I went to see a doctor. I go about every six months. They do an x-ray to make sure everything's okay. And I'm sitting in the waiting room waiting to see the doctor. Now, if you had come by, you might have said, hey, Rick, what are you doing? And I would have said, well, I'm waiting to see the doctor about my hip. Rick, do you really think you're going to see the doctor today? I would say, well, I wouldn't be waiting if I didn't think I was going to see the doctor. You might be one step ahead of me. The reason I wait is because I have hope that I'm going to see him. And the reason I wait to see the kingdom of God fully established still on earth is because I have hope. (laughs) 
God will do what he said he would do. Okay, so here we are. You ready? People are longing and waiting in my world for some good news. And the reason they're waiting for good news is because there's so much bad news. So let's talk about what we're going to do about that, okay? On September the 8th, last year, I remember asking you as a congregation to give us a vote of support to move forward with the renewal of our sanctuary. And you voted such a positive way to move forward. And we have. And next Sunday, we're going to worship in that sanctuary again. Nine months since we've worshiped in that room. And I can't wait to get back. I remember on that Sunday I shared with you something that my friend Scott had written. Scott Stearman attends our church and he was dreaming with us and helping us tell the story about the last 50 years. And we were dreaming about the next 50. And Scott said, recently in an email that he sent to me, I stood in the middle of the empty worship center at BFC. The setting felt poetic. And then Scott wrote, as only Scott can write, the sun beamed through the glass And a rainbow wash dappled over the room. I've seen that sunbeam come through those windows. He said a sacred stillness surrounded me. And Scott said, I noticed the seats were all empty. The instruments were silent. The room was quiet. But the church was not quiet. The vacant seats that surrounded me spoke an important truth. And here's the truth. The church is mostly the church when the room is empty. When the room is empty, BFC is busy out there. The body of Christ alive and moving in the world, offering hope and love, kindness and compassion, bearers of light walking into dark places. And then Scott confesses something that is true for me, and it may be true for you as well. He says, I don't always do it that very well. Left on my own, I sometimes plod through my week and limp back into this room on Sunday morning in need of encouragement and hope again. And then he concludes, gathering together is required of all of us. I need to be with you, all of you, regularly. But our experience together must be more than just experiencing together. Our gathering prepares us to be the church for a world that desperately needs to know the truth we hold in our hearts. You see, I... I love the fact that we get to gather, and next Sunday we're going to get to gather again, and some of us will gather online. But we don't gather just for the sake of gathering. We gather, and then we go out into the world. It's like, it's like breathing. We, we gather, and then we go out, and we gather, and then we go out, and we gather, and we go out to be the light in the dark world. In this same gospel, Mark writes these things. He says, Jesus himself he, he appointed 12 that they might go out and preach this good news. And in chapter 16, he said, go into all the world and preach the good news to all creation. And so we've got this great opportunity coming up for us in just seven days. Who do you know? 
Who do I know that I need to say to them, listen, I want you to join me next Sunday. It's a special day for our church, and we want you to be a part of it. Who are you going to invite to come home to some good news? I have a, a concern. A concern that a man named Mike Iaconelli expressed really well in a book that he wrote a few years ago called Dangerous Wonder. And here's what Iaconelli says. I used to listen to him speak when I was a youth pastor about, I don't know, 75 years ago or so. But he says the most critical issue facing Christians today is not abortion. You may say, Rick, that's a critical issue. Iaconelli says it may be critical, but it's not the most critical. Nor is it pornography. Nor is it moral absolutes or drugs or racism or sexuality. All of those may be critical, but he says they're not the most critical. Here's what's the most critical. It's dullness. We have lost our astonishment. The good news is no longer good news. It's just okay news. Christianity is no longer life-changing. It is life-enhancing. Jesus doesn't change people into wild-eyed radicals anymore. He just changes them into really nice people. I think we've forgotten how good this news is. I think we've forgotten what Jesus can really do in a person's heart. Sometimes we forget what a difference he made in our own lives. We've lived with it long now. So you might, you might challenge me and say, come on, come on, Rick, really? In inviting somebody to church online, let me tell you something. There are people who will go to church with you online way before they will go to church with you in person. It may be one of your best tools today to invite somebody to hear this good news. And so let me, let me just tell you a quick story as I wrap up, okay? Um, we have some people that I know pretty well. They've served in, in Kenya, in Africa, for years as missionaries. But because of COVID, they, they had to come home. And so what they did was they rented a, a house here in Bethany. And as soon as they moved into their rental house where they stayed for several months, they met their next-door neighbors. And they began to talk to them, and they realized their next-door neighbors did not have a church they attended. And so they said to them, would you like to go to church with us Sunday online? And their neighbors said, well, we, we, we don't go to church, but yeah, we could, we could watch with you online if you'd like for us to. And so they did, and they watched the next Sunday, and they watched the next Sunday, and the next, and the next, and the next, and they're watching right now. And before those missionaries moved back to Africa to serve in Kenya. They had the privilege of celebrating with that couple their newfound faith. And this past week, I got to meet them. I went to their house and I knocked on their door and I walked in and I got to celebrate with them what Jesus has done in their hearts and lives. We have some good news. It's life-changing news. And we get to share it with people. So next Sunday, I want you to invite somebody to come home as you open your arms to people and say, come on, come with me. 
I want to invite you home to some really good news. And so, Father, in Jesus' name, I pray in this moment that you will lay people on our hearts and let us reach out with phone calls and text and conversations saying, I want you to come with me on Sunday, either online or in person, because there's some really good news to be heard. In Jesus' name. Amen. You have been listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene. Visit us online at bethanynaz.org.